Welcome, friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you happen to be today, listening to Glocal News in Social Artistry. I'm your host, Dick Dalton, and each week we have the pleasure of talking to someone or someones who are building a more humane world from the inside out. And I have the pleasure today of talking with two, what I will call, old friends from back in, well, I'll have to say my freshman year of college is when we met. Uh, this is Raymond Hayes and Celestine, I would say Guyton, but Celestine Guyton Hayes? is how do, how do you call yourself when you're out and about? That would be it. Welcome to uh, Glocal News. Great to have you with us today. I've had a couple of guests recently that have mentioned your names, and uh, I would say, oh, oh, yeah, I, oh, oh, yeah, and uh, one of them was Gene, is it Robertson? Yes. A professor emeritus at Mizzou mm -hmm. and a very active in, I would say, in the, what shall we say, the civil rights issues mm -hmm. of the day uh, at Mizzou and, and around town. And then uh, Bill Clark, old Bill Clark. Yes. And I had no idea of his connection with Hickman and, and you all back in the uh, 60s, actually, uh, 57. Who, who started at Hickman in 57? I started in 57. He started in 57. I was still at Douglas. Uh-huh. But he knew Bill Clark in the 50s. Yeah. Yeah, from football. From football? Yes. Yes. He was a uh, reporter. Mm -hmm. And uh, he came to all our practices, and he wrote about uh, Douglas High School and the football team. Mm -hmm. And uh, he know he was there for practically every practice we made. I think he was responsible, really, for bringing notoriety to William Harvey Richardson, called the Rocket Richardson, highest <laughs> reporting. Are you talking about? Michael Richardson? No, his uncle. His uncle. William Harvey, the one they called Rocket. Oh, okay. I think they called Michael the Pocket Rocket. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was in the same class with Michael. I okay. Uh, okay. When I graduated from Hickman in 62. But, Celestine, you sort of, uh, you, you weren't the, the first person to go from Douglas to Hickman. There were some no. others. That no, I didn't go to Douglas. Oh, you didn't no. even go to Douglas. Moved here in 57, and I went to Hickman. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. You moved from? St. Joseph, Missouri. Uh-huh. Okay, mm -hmm. that's a little piece I hadn't heard. Yeah, we moved. My father was a minister, so they moved him here, and mm -hmm. we moved here in my May or June of 57. Mm -hmm. What church was he? St. Luke. At St. Oh, at St. Mm -hmm. Luke's. Yeah, Gee, that's going to come up again and again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's where we met. <laughs> that's where you met. All right. right. So, Raymond, did you were you born in Columbia? No, I was born in, uh, my birth certificate says Cairo, Illinois. But my mother says it was really outside of Cairo called Olive Branch. Okay. And uh, What a nice name. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I was born. But I was raised mostly in Columbia. Uh -huh. Yes, and so you did go to Douglas. Yes, I went to Douglas uh, through my uh, sophomore year. Then I transferred uh, the following year. You know, to Celestine went there. 
Did she I, have any influence on your moving over there? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was my big, one of my big reasons. <laughs> I was kind of sweet on it. So. <laughs> Already, my goodness. It sounds like and love I, at first sight. Yeah, I was, I was very interested. <laughs> and uh, she didn't try to really persuade me. But she told me that she was convinced I would do all right. Yeah. I knew I would. I, I had no doubt about that. Because uh, I remember Mr. Adebelli battle telling me in seventh grade that I had the highest IQ in the class and that I was working at a 11th grade, three-month level. And so uh, I wound up taking a mechanical drafting with juniors and seniors and still made all E's instead of A's and B's. Right. And E's, S's, and M's. And he was a counselor at Hickman. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you know that I delivered the Tribune to his house mm-hmm. when he and Muriel first moved to Columbia, and they were on, I think it's Ash. West Ash. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yes. Close to Garth. Right. They were in that little house on the north side. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I used to sell Tribune papers on the corner. Oh, yeah. And I stand there and say, Tribune, Tribune, here's your daily Tribune mm-hmm. right here. And uh, and so I had a paper route finally. But uh, we used to go down there with see Mr. Pipes down there. Mr. Pike. Yeah. Yeah. And we would stand in line. Uh-huh. Right. And we would be assigned a certain corner. And we would catch the people leaving work at 5 o'clock and sell the newspaper on the corner. <laughs> so I would go down and stand in line until I... I picked up my 125 papers yeah. and put them in my bag and on my bicycle and because mm-hmm. I lived on South Garth. Mm-hmm. And so I had South Garth and the, the parkways and Aldea and mm-hmm. Ash and kind of that little pocket over that way. Yeah, eventually I started making deliveries on Cemetery Hill. Mm-hmm. That was my route. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Along with selling so many papers downtown. Mm-hmm. And then I take the rest to Cemetery Hill. Mm-hmm. And what are we calling Cemetery Hill? Well, I don't know that people today would know where. I mean, we know the Columbia Cemetery is there, mm-hmm. but you're not delivering papers to the tombstones. <laughs> Did some people live on Cemetery Hill? Yes, from uh, from uh, the Cemetery Hill all the way back to what we call. Third Street uh-huh. and over to Rollins, mm-hmm. but that was down Providence Road. Right, and uh, in fact, Cemetery Hill was our most favorite playground for playing football and baseball because they had some wide open spaces, and they didn't mind us as long as we didn't do any damage to the tombstones. They allowed us to play there. Uh huh. I'm surprised that we didn't bump into each other because yeah. that was my playground from mm-hmm. the other side of the street. That's I, right. I was on South Garth and butted right up next to the cemetery. Mm-hmm. I would just spend hours and hours and days just... Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a whole section there uh, bordered by uh, uh, all the way down to Flat Branch. Mm-hmm. And then on the railroad ran through there. Yeah. And you we used to play... On the railroad tracks. And, oh yeah, and uh, we could walk all the way to oh, the, yeah. to the uh, private quarry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was, by the way, right behind uh, Art Gafke's uh, mother's house. Mm-hmm. Great swimming. <laughs> well, <laughs> it was deep and blue. Unfortunately, 
We had some drownings. I fell in. Oh. Yeah. Raw Walters grabbed the hmm. little hair I had hmm. after they saw where I was and pulled me up and I climbed up over his back and the two other boys that were holding his feet and their they had a chain down this hill. So I I have some intimate uh, connection with the water. That was beautiful water, but it was deep. And we did lose, uh, I remember one young man that was drowned out there. Yeah. It was a good friend of ours, and we were really shook up about it. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think all the boys that I was with were shook up about Mm. me falling in, too, and Mm. they made a pact that, my parents would not know about that for 50 years. Wow. <laughs> I can understand that. And you know what? Raw Walters sent my dad a letter after 50 years and told him the story. It, yeah. Yeah, we used to. Oh, yeah. We used to walk out there to that, that uh, lake all the time. I'm telling you the truth. Oh, well, you had to climb the fence, I guess. <laughs> well, we did everything. Yeah. I don't think. <laughs> we, we did a lot of stuff we probably oh. shouldn't have done, uh-huh. but we did it anyway. Well, that's right. That's right. And we played on the tracks. Mm-hmm. And one time we walked almost to McBain mm-hmm. following yeah. the tracks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You could. And uh, we, we had all kinds of fun with that. That was a big playground for us. Mm-hmm. And then we would catch those empty box cars. They weren't always empty. Oh, I didn't know. So sometimes, especially in the wintertime, there would be coal cars there. Oh. And we would steal coal hmm. to take to the houses there yeah. on Cemetery Hill. Yeah. Uh, that was on the trains. Right. And we would get coal and other stuff off those boxcars. Because those houses hmm. sometimes didn't have electricity. Isn't no. It? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what street did you grow up on? Right? Well, uh... Mm-hmm. Is it still in existence? Well, First Street now mm-hmm. is um, yeah, it's, it's on right. the other side of Van Street though, and it curves back. <laughs> in First and Park, mm-hmm. on corner First and Park, mm-hmm. in Mr. Dobie Flats apartment. Mm-hmm. And, so well, that's uh, close to the water tower. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And we lived in that area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were grew up two blocks away. I went to Grant yeah. School. And, yeah, we used to. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Hang around there a lot. Truby's Market was one of our favorite stores. Uh-huh. Truby's and uh, the Phillips 66 station on the corner. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, you know, spent a lot of time with one family there, raised chickens and killed them and everything. Wow. Right there on the street. Mm-hmm. And my house was the parsonage, which is down right from where our church is now. Uh-huh. Because you rebuilt the church mm-hmm. building. And they tore down the parsonage and the old uh, church. Yeah. Yeah. So you were a neighbor. Right, yeah. right. And the right neighbors there. that were around there, I visited and everything. I used to live around the parsonage. So, yeah. Celestine, as, as a uh, preacher's kid, mm-hmm. did you get a piano playing from the get-go for yes my mother was a musician she mm-hmm. played the piano and sang and my dad sang and uh, actually I tell my students the history of when I started piano my older sisters were two years well my two older sisters were older than I so they had piano lessons and um, so there were two boys between us okay so 
when I was about 11 years old, <clears throat> I, my mom took me next door to the church to practice. And I, I used to have fits when I was a, very young. Kind of, I called them fits, but I would start crying and I would stop breathing. And so I had one of my fits, which she thought I had stopped having by that time. I was 11 now. And um, so while she was practicing, I had went into one of my fits, and she ran up, stopped playing, singing. She ran over to me, what's the matter, Celestine? Quit, what is it? And I want to play piano. <laughs> 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 and she said, well, okay. Because <laughs> she started my sister very early, and then she got another teacher. And sisters, and my second sister took for a while, and the teacher hit her over the fingers with a pencil. She quit and never touched the piano again. But um, So she said, well, all right, sit down. And she started my lesson. That was how I started. And we happened to be sitting in your studio with mm -hmm. two pianos behind yes. you here because you're still... I still teach Suzuki piano, yes, yeah. kids age three. Yep. And um. I'm going to guess, but I don't think you ever wrap any fingers with a pencil. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that is a no-no. I couldn't blame my sister. I thought, what? <laughs> when I found out. Yeah. But she never touched the piano again. Yeah, the that power. Sister, you know, just... Yeah, the power of the relationship. She would watch my other sisters. They were only two years apart, and she would watch her play, but oh, mm. she never That's touched it again. Mm. Well, you've had a great career with that, though, yourself. Yeah. After Hickman, what did you do? You went on to Missouri? Yes, mm -hmm. uh, I got a curator's scholarship to the university, mm -hmm. and um, that paid all my tuition. Mm. But it didn't pay for meals and books, and mm -hmm. you know, but it did everything else, so... That was where I uh, went, and I did get also applied music scholarships for voice and piano, which I'm sure Mr. Tolson probably at Hickman arranged, but I... Kent Tolson. You know, Kent Tolson. I didn't know I was... I thought, what? Okay. And so I could take voice and piano, and I did that, because I at first was thinking of majoring in music. Mm -hmm. And then as I went through, I when I was a junior, I decided, no, I think it'll be languages. So I went into Spanish. Oh, yeah. And uh, two years after this, well, a year after Spanish, I started French. And I got my degree in Spanish and French. Oh, okay. And the minor was in music. Mm -hmm. Did yeah. you do university singers? No, didn't no. make the, I didn't make the singers. Okay. And it's always, always bothered me. But... Um, Is that because there were auditions? We had auditions yeah. and stuff. And mm -hmm. I can't remember the director's name. What was his name? I'm trying to think. Mr. Mills. Mr. Mills. Oh, yeah, you know, Tom Mills. Tom Mills. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, I didn't make it. I felt so bad. But uh, when I did my solo, at every end of every semester, you had to sing and play a solo, okay? When I did my solo, he made some very complimentary things, remarks about my singing. So I thought, okay, I'll take that. <laughs> oh, good. That was great. Yeah, Kent Tolson was... It's very helpful to oh, me. Yeah. Oh, Hickman. yes. Mm -hmm. And he had me in um, summer stuff, too, that he gave. Mm -hmm. you know, my sisters and I were in some of the summer musicals. Over at Stevens sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At Stevens. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. Gondoliers. And... It was Gondoliers and what was the other oh, one? Oh, Gondoliers, right. Yeah, I'm trying to think mm -hmm. of the other one. I had a big part in one of them that kind mm -hmm. of, you know, so. That was before the theater burned down. Right. Yeah, the old yeah. 
Playhouse. We went to all the practices and we just had the greatest time. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Were you uh, an attendee, at Ray, at, at these events? Or? Yes, I had to. <laughs> <laughs> and at Hickman at all the productions. All the productions. Because I had to get next to her. So it I, was so close, Mr. Tosh. I made gave sure. him a part for one of the, oh. <laughs> one of the plays at Hickman. <laughs> I think she had something to do with that, I think. <laughs> I and, know. Uh, so uh, oh. they came got me out of class and <laughs> They won't see you. It's okay. <laughs> and they gave me a part in what is the first one? It was Phineas Rainbow. Yes. I, I think it was the first one. Uh-huh. Was one of them. <laughs> and then there was something else. They even had lines. So wow. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and, too, uh, too bad that Oklahoma hadn't been there. They didn't make you poor Judd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they sure oh, would have. Judd is dead. <laughs> yeah. He but uh, hey, that was fun. Mm hmm. But they, they wrote me in. I think she had a lot to do with it, though. <laughs> I've told you I didn't. Oh, man. Well, he's still suspicious, obviously. <laughs> well, you did not get her on the football field. Though. No. No. I got at church. <laughs> but one thing, she would listen to me. Oh, man. And uh, oh. I was never felt it. She was very outgoing <laughs> and very friendly. <laughs> and she listened to me, and like she will tell you this day, I didn't ever lie, but she sure learned a, a lot about cars and football. Right, I did, because I knew nothing about cars or football, and um, he taught me a lot. Yeah, and you're a good listener too. Oh yes, <laughs> I can and identify two cars now. We yeah. started out as very good friends. Yeah, but soon things changed. Mm-hmm. I said, I like this girl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, it went on and on. Mm-hmm. We kept seeing other people, but the attraction was so strong. It just mm-hmm. never left that we finally just had to be together. Well, so, in case you're just uh, joining us, folks, this is Glocal News in Social Artistry uh, on KOPN. Glad you're with us. I'm Dick Dalton, the host, and, and we're having a good old reunion conversation with Raymond Hayes and Celestine Guyton Hayes. And uh, we actually had, we're about the same age and both, uh, all three of us graduated from Hickman. So we'll just continue on with our conversation. We're glad you're with us. Uh, so I met you actually officially at Wesley Foundation. Yeah. There at uh, United Methodist Church yes. downtown. And Bob Younce was yes. the uh, director. There was Jerry Bourne and, and Art, Frank Gaffke and, uh, well, he met Mary Ellen. And here mm-hmm. there was uh, Homer Page. Homer right. Page. Homer. I, and Homer may still be around Columbia. He is. I met him several years ago. Uh, he came by the church and uh, when I was in St. Luke doing one of the elections, mm-hmm. speaking for one of the candidates. Uh huh. Yeah, he's uh, with that uh, Mule Skinner's uh, group, I think. Fine home. Yeah, I was doing my sophomore year at uh, the university that uh, I work with Homer and several other people, and they we set up a program at Blind Boone Community Center, mm-hmm. and uh, we got to be very close then. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was I think it was two of us from from uh, black guys, and all the rest were girls and white girls and boys mm-hmm. and we uh, ran several programs out of Bland Boone Community Center mm-hmm. 
and 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 what we call it uh, Camp Joy Day Camp. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now there was a Camp Joy out west of town. Yes. That's the one. Was that the one? That was the oh, one. Wow. Yeah. It was owned by Reverend Longstreth, mm-hmm. and uh, we used that camp. Okay. Okay. And uh, I remember we had a really big time out there. I remember one of our classmates came out with her Jeep one time and went all over the countryside. Uh, Vivana Clark, was it? Oh, that Vivana was Clark. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. She was a wild one, boy. Yep. Kids yeah. were crazy about her. She loved to drive. <laughs> I think I drove that Jeep all up. And, I was pretty crazy yeah, about her, boy. too. Oh, she was so we went to Peru together with oh, the, yes, y- right. the YMCA group. Oh. There was oh, just yeah. three of us. And I was a kind of a tag along because I'd already mm-hmm. transferred down to Southern Methodist and was mm-hmm. just back for the summer and somehow got with the plane ticket and and wow. I was not prepared. <laughs> no, totally not prepared for mm. Lima, Peru, or mm. the weather or mm. anything. Just as naive and ignorant as mm. <laughs> as a lawyer could possibly be. <laughs> oh my goodness. And really had such a culture shock mm, that yes. I was, there was a depression that I had to work through for mm-hmm. several months. Mm-hmm. My dad even mm-hmm. hooked me up with a, a shrink down in Dallas because mm-hmm. I was so uh, wow. different, it seemed like. It was just working through, mm-hmm. you know, when you get exposed to oh, yeah. intense poverty. You know, talk about Cemetery Hill poverty. Mm-hmm. This was... This was kind of that on steroids. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Know, amazing. When I was in Mexico, we would see the little children out selling stuff yeah. on the streets. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. that was bad. Yeah. yeah we, we, Clark. Yeah. Well, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm just going to tell a, a little. Mm-hmm. I kissed her once. Wow. <laughs> She was a good friend. Boy, she was a lively one. Notice I said once. <laughs> I don't know how you kept her still long enough to kiss her. And I think she she married a guy John named John Kennedy, I think, or Robert Kennedy one. And a, a military guy. Mm-hmm. And they had several kids. They live out in Georgia, as far as I mm-hmm. re- recall, unless they've moved back I, around. I then her so. mother worked, Bedona uh, worked at Stevens College, and Mm-hmm. And her sister, uh, there in town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great family, great mm-hmm. family. Who else you got in your your pocket? Then? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> we got a lot of them. He'll come up. Well, Bob Yance. I don't know if he was the instigator, but uh, there was a lot happening in that Wesley Foundation in terms of exposing us to other. Well, a trip to San Antonio to see how they were beginning to do urban development, mm-hmm. redevelopment. Uh, a trip to Chicago to the Ecumenical Institute. I went there. Okay. We might have been on the same trip then. With Jerry Bowen was driving one car. <laughs> I don't and remember. I, was, I don't know who I was with. Yeah. But it's, I remember Snow coming back. And do you remember watching the movie High Noon? Yes. Yeah. And... Uh, and we, Picasso, we had to identify with those characters. The Picasso picture, Guernica, were the two memory points that I had. Early in the morning, like 4, 35 o'clock, they said, the Lord is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. They would get us up real early. 
I said, no one in the hell. They crucified him. <laughs> and you preached on that later, probably. <laughs> sure did. Oh, I, I knew no shame. Oh, well, you didn't make your parishioners get up quite that early. No. No. I ate it. Not that early. But that guy would go through the hall every early in the morning, ring that bell. The Lord is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. It was still dark outside. Oh, this guy's crazy. But we had to get up and we stayed, you know, we, we went that one room, stayed all day long, ate at the table, talked at the table, never got up, never left. Well, I don't remember the bell ringing, but uh, it, it was a... Uh, it was so different that it stuck in my memory, Max. Do you know that that institute was started by some faculty at Southern Methodist University who decided no, to join together as families, move to Chicago to live what they believed needed to be happening, and started the Ecumenical Institute. Yeah. Once I heard the story later, it was even more meaningful than mm -hmm. our little weekend up there. Yeah. That was an experience I'll never forget. I was nervous on that trip, though, because uh, at that time, we were still going through a lot of segregation. Sure. And we stopped at this roadhouse oh. on the way back. Mm -hmm. And I went in there, and I looked around. Didn't see nobody look like me. Mm -hmm. But because I was with this group, they didn't say anything. But I tell you the truth, I was scared to death. Oh, wow. I didn't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That happened several times on several trips. Mm -hmm. Like when uh, I uh, went to uh, South Dakota with Bobby Yance and his wife, mm -hmm. and uh, Margaret French and uh, another girl named Carol. I can't think of last name. And we drove two different cars. And uh, because I was riding in the back seat of uh, the Volkswagen with Carol and Bobby Yance, these people tried to run us off the road. And told us to go back to. They thought we were some kind of. They thought we, maybe they thought we were freedom riders. Hmm. And then there were times when we were driving down the highway. Uh, uh, Margaret and the other girl would be sitting in front, and I'd be in back, and I would have to lay down in the back, so they couldn't see that they had a black guy in the back car. Yeah. Yeah. That was the kind of thing we put up with. But uh, we were, you know. And some issues like that mm -hmm. going and coming. Uh, we were going to stop at uh, one of the cities uh, north of Kansas City on the way, but uh, at the girl's house. But her parents contacted her and told her because I was with them, mm -hmm. it might cause some problems. Mm -hmm. So we couldn't, couldn't stop. So, right here in Columbia, Clark's Diner on Broadway was a place you couldn't go in and get a sandwich. Right. Uh, the biggest one was, that one was one. But the big one we boycotted was the Minute Inn. Oh. That was, they moved that down on 3rd Street, which is Providence Road, mm -hmm. which is where the bank is now. Mm -hmm. Providence and Walnut. And, mm -hmm. and so we, uh, we had a protest there. Mm -hmm. And uh, at that time, um, I was still in high school, and the call was for integration now. And they had formed the uh, core on campus after 
on the doctor's shop. And he eventually lost his job because he said he didn't publish enough. Are you saying the Congress for Racial Equality, CORE? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. They were the ones that started the sit-ins, so we got to be a part of some of those sit-ins downtown. Ah. And uh, got thrown out a lot of places. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they would meet us at the door. And sometimes they just wouldn't serve us or say things like, we don't serve, and they use the N-word. And we would simply say, we don't eat them either. Whoa, yeah. And uh, so. Uh, and this was in the late 50s, early 60s? Late 50s. Okay. Mid to late 50s. Uh-huh. And then by, because after we went to Hickman, we ran into a few problems. Not at Hickman, but I only had one problem at Hickman. But in towns around Hickman, we had problems. Mm-hmm. On field trips, mm-hmm. we had some problems there. One summer, we worked uh, with Parks, and, and I had one school. He had another school. He had Douglas, and I had Benton. Benton, uh-huh. And so uh, we would have you know baseball teams and stuff. Near the end of the summer, we would take them on a special trip, so we, my group was going to Moberly. Mm-hmm. And um, we went over there, and we went to the location. So I, the parents drove, and the children, and so... I got out of the car and went up to get all the kids in, in. and um, when I got up there, they said, oh, we can't, you can't come in here, you know. I thought, what? So, um, so I said, what do you mean? Well, we don't have people here, and I thought, mm-hmm. oh my. So I went back to the car, and one of the parents was so upset, she said, oh, let's go to the public park. So. We took all the kids in the line of cars to the public park. Yeah. And that was what we did. Yeah. In place of it. And she just thought, boy, this is some one parent was saying, and this is something she didn't want her kids to ever experience. Mm-hmm. But that was the deal. We couldn't even go in because cause of me. I don't think there were any black kids in the group. But, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah, Bill Clark was telling some stories about traveling as well. Yeah. Yeah, and then in Fayette, remember the... Oh, we were counselors. <laughs> uh, so and I were counselors at the at a youth conference at the Central Methodist School. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of kids came out of Kansas City, different places, and they stayed on campus. Mm-hmm. What year might this have been? Uh, it would have been uh, Close. Mid, early to mid-60s. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Mid-60s, I guess. When he set up a, a swimming party at the swimming pool. But when they figured out it was a mixed group, mm-hmm. we couldn't use the pool. Right. And they wouldn't let us use it. And there was a lot of complaint about it. And here's what the excuse was. Said black folks didn't pay enough taxes. <laughs> <laughs> and that created quite a uproar. Yep. And uh, that was one of the things we experienced while at Kansas City. What an excuse, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And then um, we, we, we ran a lot of, even here, we ran into uh, problems. problems. Uh, like at the bowling alley, we got rumors that uh, blacks could now go to the bowling alley. Oh, could now. Yeah, so we all, <laughs> me, our brother, and uh, brother-in-law and sister, and our, we all went out there. And they met us at the, as soon as we hit the door, they come running, kicked us out. 
You know the funny thing about that? Later on, several years later, her brother was the one working behind the counter and running everything. Ah, yeah. The same bowling alley that had thrown us out mm-hmm. would let us come in. Mm-hmm. I remember we, uh, at Eggman High School, we, we made a field trip. I didn't name the town then. I'm not going to name it now because things have changed, baby. But after we had, he went downtown to this place to eat. And because there were some blacks on the field trip, they wouldn't let us eat. And some of the kids offered to bring us food. Mm-hmm. We refused it. Mm-hmm. Then the bus driver said, well, we'll take you and John Kelly and several others mm-hmm. on the bus over to the other side of town and, and, and you could eat and come back. We refused that as well. Mm-hmm. And so when a lot of the students got wind of it, they said, well, if they can't eat, we won't eat either. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the students walked out. Mm-hmm. We had a quite a conversation afterwards. That was the first time medium had ever experienced. Right. Something like that. Oh, yeah. In real life. Yeah. They heard about it, but they... they this was the first time mm-hmm. they'd ever, ever experienced everything, anything like that. Mm-hmm. And they were quite upset. Well, I, I probably told this little story on the radio before, but I lived in Fayette my sophomore and junior years of uh, high school and worked at street drugs down on the square. And hot summer day, uh, I was the soda jerk, and, and, and two little black girls came in, asked for ice cream cones, and I said, sure, just have a seat. And I was, fix them and they wouldn't leave the counter or they leave the cash register area so just sit down sit down it's hot days and they wouldn't and i kind of protested you know <laughs> sit down <Figures>. you know? <laughs> yeah. Figures. and uh finally one little girl kind of went over enough to touch the side of her body to this one of those little round stools you know that are mm-hmm. sort of and uh, boy, as soon as I gave them their cones and they slapped the money down, they ran. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I, I noticed the boss was giving me the finger that was saying, come here. Mm-hmm. He said, Dick, we don't let blacks sit down in here. Mm-hmm. And it was like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here I was, uh, probably a sophomore in high school. Mm. I had no idea. Yeah, they hadn't gone over that, right? <laughs> yeah, and and yet I was, you know, grew up in Columbia just a year before that, uh, mm-hmm. and so I, I walked by Cemetery Hill. I, I didn't understand. Right. Didn't see any blacks in my school at Grant, but mm-hmm. didn't That's know right. why. Yeah. Uh, just nobody well, talked about it. And then when I went to Mexico, I went to Monterey, Mexico, one summer. Oh. And, and um, so, you know, the group got together and you signed up. And so when we got down there, of course, we had to get assigned rooms. And so they assigned me with Jackie Ellis. You remember the Ellis's? Mm-hmm. And I, I thought, okay. So we went to the room and all of a sudden here comes somebody and they took Jackie to the office and said, Jackie... You can keep the roommate if you call your parents and make sure it's okay. <laughs> and she said, "Oh, well, we're friends. We're in Col- Col- we're from Colombia. We're friends." And they said, "Oh, sorry, 
you have to call your parents and make sure it's getting okay. So it had traveled to, you know, Mexico. This was Monterey, Mexico, and she had to. Mexico, yeah. Amazing, amazing. Well, has it changed any today, folks? Well, not really. Not much. It has changed, but it still is. It is more since the last election. Not the last one, but the one you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I don't call his name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The one after Obama. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's gotten worse. I mean, it's always been there, but now that particular group of people seem to be coming out more. But the, the problem is, is that our real experience does not see that a lot of times mm-hmm. with most of the people. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem to reflect what most of the people are saying and doing and thinking. Mm-hmm. Yet they appear to get a lot more publicity and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what they say seems to pass as fact. Mm-hmm. But when in fact, uh, that has not been the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We just don't see it. Yeah. We see it, but not to the extent mm-hmm. that they say it is. Mm-hmm. Because like I say, most people we deal with are pretty decent people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're not uh, rubbing shoulders with someone that has a whole different mindset, right. then it, it, you don't see it. No. Yeah. Like me with <laughs> at the soda fountain. <laughs> so it gets kind of confusing to some people about us because we have experienced so much mm-hmm. on both sides that we know it's not everybody, mm-hmm. you know, feeling that way. And but uh, so we don't hate like that, you know. We just weren't brought up that way. Yeah. So friends, uh, you're listening to Glocal News in Social Artistry on KOPN eighty nine point five. We're glad you're with us. Uh, I'm Dick Dalton, the host, and we're having a, an old chat with uh, <laughs> Raymond Hayes and Celestine Guyton Hayes, and and we're. We, we kind of jumped from way back to almost today. We're missing a few pieces in there. After going to Celestine's father's church, when did you get the call? Well, I... Or did she tell her you? sister, <laughs> I was at NYF. Methodist Youth Fellowship. And yes. uh, her sister kept prodding me to take leadership, and she was always making me read scripture or do something. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I got to where I started going to programs with them, and they when they were saying, and her sister would call me up to entertain <laughs> the audience while they took a break, and I had to go up and tell a story or talk a little bit while they rested at intermission. And next thing I know. She had me preaching for a youth day program. Oh, wow. Her father asked me, how long is this sermon going to take? I said, uh, I practiced and practiced. I said, 45 minutes. I finished at eight. <laughs> <laughs> and he was happy probably with he that. He laughed about it because I had told him 45 minutes. Yeah. And he said, I was doing eight minutes. <laughs> Well, it changed over the years, though, didn't it? <laughs> it yeah, did. it did. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. It got longer then. It got a little now longer. Now it got shorter. <laughs> you went to St. Paul's in Kansas mm-hmm. City for your seminary work, and then you 
traveled around, didn't you? Yeah, a little, a little bit. Yeah, we went to Cleveland. Uh, you asked me about the ministry. It was really through Wesley Foundation that got me going. And we had a minister there by the name of Reverend John Barry, hmm. who was would have me to drive him to Mobley and Sturgeon on Sundays. He was on the circuit while he oh. rested oh. and took Slashley along to play the piano. Oh. And so he would get up to Mobley and say, you preaching today? I said, what? And he said, yep. And that's how I would do it. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, I uh, he went to Andrew Conference and came back and told me that I'd been assigned to this church. I said, what? Montgomery City. Uh-huh. So I did go because I had nothing else to do. So I think was going every summer, either to Mexico or to Chicago. I had to get busy, so I took the church oh while she was out of state. Mm-hmm. So this was uh, extemporaneous preaching? Were you just... Uh, At Wednesday morning, yeah. yeah. Because I was already conscious about a, a lot of social issues, mm-hmm. and uh, especially integration. Mm-hmm and desegregation. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of easy for me to slip into that. Mm-hmm. And you uh, could connect the scriptures enough yeah. to make it a, a sermon. Because of the dialogues and the conversations we did at Wesley Foundation. Okay. I remember one time we had a debate. I had a debate with Frank Yafke. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, his side was logic and mine was Faith, uh-huh. would you believe it? And you won. Well, I don't know who won, <laughs> <laughs> but it was spirited. <laughs> you know, that's so interesting that uh, as your lives then proceeded, both becoming Methodist ministers. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I remember uh, we went to his wedding, Slatina and I did, and Ellen, they had Slatina in the wedding. I was so nervous and busy that I One of the walls of the church was all glass, and the door was glass, and I was supposed to be ushering. And instead of walking through the door, I walked head on into the glass. <laughs> oh, 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 that was funny. Well, yeah, wasn't I was so time. nervous, you know. <laughs> I looked around. I didn't see nobody but me and her. But everybody was nice to us, you know. But the problem was, Riding with Jerry Bourne. Mm-hmm. He liked to turn around and talk to you. <laughs> he did. Made us nervous. Because no. he had his head turned, oh, looking at us and t- turned around talking instead of k- keeping his eye on the road. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And we went all the way to Trent like that. Said, said uh, Jerry, look at the road. <laughs> Jerry, we looking like it wasn't nothing. Like the car was automatic. Now, was Linda Murphy in the car, or was she in I the picture know. at all at that time? Uh, no, what's this? They didn't. They married after. They married later. I think mm-hmm. they married after Frank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. This was Frank's first marriage. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. so this right. Because uh, Frank uh, went on to Yale Divinity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was accepted to Yale in '66. Mm-hmm. And had sent my trunk of books and everything, and and got my draft notice on my way. Well, I was at Chicago on, at a conference on the way to to Yale, and my dad called, said your draft notice came. Oh my! So uh, we didn't know all the deals about 
what you could have done then and mm -hmm. the laws and yeah. so on. So I, I joined the Navy. But, you know, I visited uh, Frank and, and Mary Ellen out there at Yale to as a preview to mm -hmm. uh, what I might do. So, Yeah. Well, now he's out in uh, uh, Nevada, right? Uh, Reno. Yeah. Yeah, out in Reno. <laughs> and one time he was back in town, and he and I came to That's your right. church service. I remember that day. Yeah. And there was Celestine at the piano <laughs> and Raymond doing his preaching. And, yeah, uh, trying to anyway. Well, you've had some health issues that have come along. Has yeah. that uh, hindered your, your preaching any? Yeah, I did an attack. Uh-huh. And that was before I had the stroke. Mm -hmm. That was before I had the stroke. Uh -huh. And I was just getting back from the heart attack. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That'll knock you down. It did. Mm -hmm. Didn't keep me down, though. <laughs> then you retired in 2016. Well, you mentioned that you had had some heart issues way back in... Uh, after high school, or well, uh, what did they find out? I was um, I was teaching at Jeff Junior. Okay, and then I went to the secondary learning center as the director, and I started having issues there. Uh -huh. And they had run tests, and um, as a result, doctor, my doctor Pfeffer called Doctor Thompson mm -hmm. and told him that if uh, I stayed what I was doing. At that time, because secondary learning was mainly disciplinary, that I wouldn't live as long as uh, I wouldn't live that long. So I went back to the classroom mm -hmm. to take out some of the stress. Mm -hmm. Is this the one o'clock chime? This is the two o'clock. Oh, the two o'clock chime. There it is. So every uh, every hour it's a different song. Yes. Oh, how interesting. Yes, and at Christmas time, I have Christmas music up the clock. Oh, my goodness. That's great. A programmable clock. Yes. I, I, I don't I'll think I've you, ever been in a house that had a programmable I'll clock. I'll tell you the funny story about Bill Clark, which we were amazed. Uh, no matter how cold or how hot he was, he always wore sandals and a T-shirt. Hmm. Oh, and we'd be on the bus, what they called uh, an old school bus, we called it the Yellow Dragon. And we'd be all bunched up and huddled up in there trying to keep warm on those cold trips because those buses wouldn't without much heat. Yeah. And Bill would be out there with a T-shirt and sandals. And I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And uh, I never would get that. We couldn't understand that. Where's your coat at? Bill never wore a coat. And did did you ever figure out and, how that worked? I don't know. <laughs> He said something happened in, in the army. He got kicked out in the cold. And hmm. uh, down there frozen. Hmm. Ever since then, he just wears a t He would just wear a t shirt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he freezing. was in Korea. Yeah. Yeah, the last year. Hmm. Yeah, my brother was in Korea. Mm -hmm. My oldest brother. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he said they, they kicked him out of the tent on something. And uh, that's how he thought he was being. Got to use the gold. Oh, I see. Okay. So we're in a 2021. We've just come through COVID. You've both successfully uh, stayed well enough. Is that right? Did you keep yeah. from getting the, the, the virus during the No. Uh, our kids and grandkids did, though. Oh. In Cincinnati. In Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. 
and so they were both I they they went through a isolation. My daughter in law got real sick. My son had was positive and so were the grandkids. But none of them got sick. Did your son take over at the church? No. He's in a totally different oh, he's in business. Uh-huh. Okay. He went to uh, none of them went to the ministry. Okay. I had one in Chicago and the youngest one in Cincinnati. And his wife is a is a doctor, okay. so she's on the front line all the time, yeah. and he works at the national headquarters for Kroger's in Cincinnati. And he's a product manager. So in Columbia, Missouri, here we are. Uh, how do you see Columbia moving? Do you think do you think Columbia's doing any? developmental work that is going to make a difference? Uh, do you have some suggestions for Colombians? You know, over the past years, I've had to really do a lot of thinking. Mm-hmm. I'm just not sure where we stand. Mm-hmm. Um, I see some good things, and I see some things going kind of slow. Mm-hmm. But uh, by and large, I think Columbia is a pretty decent place to live. Mm-hmm. we got problems. But I don't think as much as a lot of other places I've been in. Mm-hmm. So I feel good about living here. I am worried about the the violence, though. Mm-hmm. That's one of the big things. And the drugs mm-hmm. and the killings with our young people. It's like they have lost all sense of who they are and where they came from. Mm-hmm. Especially young, young blacks mm-hmm. over these killings. Like we're totally lost mm-hmm. in that area. They don't know who they are. They don't know where they came from. Mm-hmm. And they're just now learning, you know, that we we come from a great land of people, but they didn't learn they're coming up. Mm-hmm. And so there's a disconnect. Yeah. That's my biggest concern. I usually, I get a little concerned about some things like the music and what's popular now. Mm-hmm. And I watched the BET awards show, and mm-hmm. I had to fast forward through most of it because the music <laughs> kind of some of it was just so foreign to what I would expect sure. now. And I, the way some of the people talked and so forth, and this is on a national level, so yeah. I, so some of that concerns me. Uh, I see a lot of good coming out. You know, I've had students. You know, I knew we were going to do some great things in my classes. Mm-hmm. So um, it's kind of like there's a balance of there's some good stuff and there are a lot of people working with the good stuff. And then there's this other element that seems to be so prevalent. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. sometimes I wonder wonder which one is going to win here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because um, There's a, a phrase that gets thrown around a lot, and it, I'm going to start asking more questions about it just wherever I go if the phrase is the black community when I hear that phrase it, it sounds like it's coming from someone that thinks there is a tight cohesive homogenous community of black people you know, I brought that up when we lived in Cleveland at the annual conference. I said we were not a, a homogeneous group. Right. And in fact, within our own family, there's so much mixture. 
It's unreal. For example, our daughter-in-law is from South India, uh, for example. Uh, you can look at me and tell that I'm mixed with something. And so, and then uh, there's been so much interracial marriage within the family and, you know, and going on and, you know, so much mixing. It doesn't make any sense to think that way. Uh, we're more blended than we really acknowledge sometimes. And it should be causes. Black causes is different than black community. Because you have to kind of separate those two things because... So you're using the word cause, C-A-U-S-E? Mm-hmm. So there are black causes. causes. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah I Issues. Don't, I don't like labels right. like liberal right. and conservative because they're misused. I'm liberal on some things, and I'm conservative on others. Sure. So, you know, but to, to you know, this partisanship is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. We got to start thinking about the people as a whole, mm-hmm. what's good for the country, not good for just me and my party, mm-hmm. you know. And there's some things that just aren't, uh, aren't, uh, aren't partisan, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, what's going on in the world today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, climate change, and I don't think it's a partisan issue. Mm-hmm. Education shouldn't be partisan. A lot of things shouldn't be partisan. Yeah. The infrastructure, infrastructure shouldn't be partisan. Uh, the stuff that goes on at border is ridiculous, you know. That shouldn't be partisan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just lots of stuff like that that really bother me. Sure. That we turn these things into. Voting issues, yeah. and as if one party is right and the other one's wrong. And it's right. much and then uh, so much misinformation out there mm-hmm. that uh, we, we have to learn how to question things and analyze and not take anything at face value. Mm-hmm. Dig a little deeper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And get to the issue, mm-hmm. not what to call the community. Get off these cliches and get down to, you know, what it is really bothering people, what we really dealing with. Well, who would you like to say hi to or um, <laughs> greet today as we close out our show? Is there any... Uh... Who would I like to greet? Well, I want to say to my past church especially. They've been so good to us. Reverend John Rice and St. Luke United Methodist Church. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, 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 the church as a whole has been my foundation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in particular. So if I can agree to anything, I'm very proud of the work they continue to do mm-hmm. in serving the homeless and the needy. Good. With the Everybody Eats program, the poor man's breakfast, the Christmas dinners, and other stuff that they do. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad of that. HIV AIDS care team, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, blessing boxes, they're very active in that. I'm very proud that St. Luke is a community church mm-hmm. and not just our church, you know. Mm-hmm. It belongs to the people. And so that I'm would glad, be my shout out. I'm glad to be able to still serve St. Luke as a music director and uh, something that I started back in, well, I came with my husband in 1980 to St. Luke, but I didn't do anything until uh, 19. 92. Oh, really? Oh, okay. And so since then, I, I did 80. In 1989, I started playing the organ. 
and then in 1992 I did the choir mm -hmm. and that also I did take over the, all the music mm -hmm. so that's been quite an experience and we've been through quite a few different ministers and mm -hmm. temporary ministers and so forth so I'm happy to be a bridge or constant bridge and I um, say a shout out to my school uh, Ridgeway Elementary which I've served for 47 years and all my colleagues, and they were so wonderful when I retired. Um, give a big thanks to them. Mm -hmm. So Ridgeway, where I did my student teaching. Did you? At Ridgeway, How yeah. about that? Back when O.V. Wheeler was, right. uh, oh, yeah. was the principal. Right. I uh, went there in 72, and he was there. Jefferson Junior High School was my school. Those are my people. <laughs> well, Raymond Hayes and Celestine, Guyton Hayes, I want to thank you too for taking me back on this uh, great trip. I, I got little goosebumps just thinking about our histories together. and uh, I just feel like we have only touched the tip of the iceberg. There's so much we haven't talked about. Yeah. I'd love to continue the conversation. <laughs> and we thank you, listeners. Uh, and as I always close, uh, please remember, wherever you are, this is your world. Uh, please, leave your world cleaner, and more peaceful, and more loving than you found it, because if it is to be, it is up to us. So take care. Talk to you soon. All right.